as individual human beings, we all have a unique voice. And we might not be saying something new, but the way that we say it, because of our individual stories, it is new, right? Because nobody's had your experience and nobody's really had my experience. And that's what makes us so unique. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. Have you always wanted to write a book but don't know where to start? The early bird registration for our online program, Prepare to Publish, is now open, and this is an amazing time to join us. This three-month guided program is designed to help you clarify your book idea, create a solid outline, and make decisions about the right path for you when it comes to publishing. In three months of coaching, we teach you the key document you need to have if you want to share your work widely with the world. We teach you a writing trick that can get you unstuck and shave sometimes years off your writing time. And we help you develop a strong arc for your book that makes the final product as effective as you know it can be. When I first set out to write a book, I had no idea what I was doing and no help, and it showed. I floundered for years trying to figure out exactly how to get the story down, and then what to do with it once it was down, and I wasted years of valuable time stressed out about things that didn't actually matter. That's why I created this program, to relieve the guesswork of writing a book so that you can do what you've wanted to do all along. Connect with your readers, express yourself, and create a product worth selling. Not to mention, you can transform yourself as you write and change the lives of those who read it. Right now, for a limited time, we're offering a huge bonus package to anyone who purchases Prepare to Publish. When you purchase P2P today, you'll not only get the three months of guided support for your book idea that the course already offers, you'll also get early access to preliminary exercises before coursework begins. You'll get an additional coaching call with our creative director, Annie, which is a $250 value. That coaching call is available for booking right away. You'll get $250 off our usual ticket price, So you'll pay $1,499 instead of $1,749. You'll get our book idea primer resource, which is a resource we created to help you begin to take steps toward developing your book idea. That resource is worth $299. You'll get extra preparation time to complete assignments, additional three months of dedicated time to develop your book idea, And ultimately, this is the most important, a better finished product with a more refined book idea. So no more guessing games when it comes to the world of publishing. Let us help you find the path that's right for you, relieve the stress of wondering what's next, and help you get the exact right words down on paper. To register, go to findyourvoice.com slash publish. 
Hi, writers. I am so excited to share today's episode with you. Today, I have a fascinating conversation with my friend Caleb Campbell. And Caleb is interesting for so many reasons. First off, he is not only a West Point graduate, but he also is a former NFL draft pick. He played for the NFL for several years. And my favorite part of Caleb's story is that he finds the courage to walk away from his dream job playing football in the NFL to go on a journey of healing. For Caleb, finding his voice meant literally leaving his career in the NFL to clean toilets at a church in Canada. I know that sounds crazy, but he'll tell you more about that story on this episode. Caleb's not only a friend of mine, but he's also a professional speaker. He's a life coach. He's the host of Finding Rest podcast, where he talks about what it really means to stop the hustle and learn to be yourself. He's also a perfect fit for Find Your Voice because he's in the middle of writing his own book about his journey to accepting himself. He'll talk really openly about the challenges and rewards of that on today's episode. Today, we'll talk about what it means to find what Caleb calls radical acceptance and how you go about finding that in your life if you don't already have it. So if you don't feel like you have a place in your life where you are totally accepted for who you are without judgment, you're going to love what Caleb has to say about this. We also talk about the courage it takes to walk away from something that you thought you wanted and maybe something that was a long-time dream for you that you realize isn't the right fit anymore. We talk about the power of writing your story down while you're living it and the challenges and the rewards of this. I think you're going to finish this episode feeling inspired, feeling motivated, feeling encouraged to stop trying to live the life you think you're supposed to live and start figuring out who you are and what you really want. Caleb is full of wisdom and he's an inspiration to me. I know he's going to be that for you as well. So here we go. Let's launch right into the episode. Hey, welcome, Caleb Campbell. So happy to have you on the show. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. This is so fun. I feel like this has been such a long time coming because you and I have been friends forever and we have, I've been helping you with the book that you're working on Mm -hmm. and you've had your own podcast and you've said to me a thousand times, find your voice needs to have a podcast. So (laughs) such a long time coming and fun to have you be one of the very first guests on our show. I know. I'm so happy you're doing this. Seriously. And you would be so happy with me, Ellie, because before this podcast, I was actually sitting down at my computer writing my book. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, I, I do want to talk more about your book a little later in the episode, yeah. but I want to start off by asking the question that we ask every single person that mm. we interview, and this is open to your interpretation, but I'm curious, what does find your voice mean to you? Find your voice. What does it mean to me? It means a lot of internal angst. (laughs) (laughs) I feel feel like uh, this idea of finding your voice uh, for me personally has been such a tumultuous process. And I say that because for the longest time I've been trying to understand what is it like, what's my thing? What's what's my voice? If there's one thing that I would say uh, for the rest of my life, what would it be like? What's the message on my heart? Because I do believe that as individual human beings, we all have a unique voice. And we might not be saying something new, but the way that we say it, because of our individual Mm. stories, it is new, right? Because nobody's had your experience and nobody's really had my experience. And that's what makes us so unique. And so I think this idea of finding my voice has been challenging for that reason. But it's been interesting because I find that finding my voice is directly correlated to accepting me for who I am. And so finding your voice for me personally has been like a byproduct of 
really this place of radical acceptance of me in my life in the here and now. And that is directly correlated to the inner healing journey or the spiritual journey, you know, back home to yourself. And so Mm. I don't know, for me, it's just been like this process of like, of finding my voice, but the process of finding my voice has first and foremost been my willingness to surrender my need to find my voice. Does that wow. make sense? So like that's, it, I've always, huge. yes, it makes so much sense. Yeah. I've always wanted to be heard in this in this world, right? I needed a voice. I needed a voice. I needed a voice. And the very fact that I needed my voice meant that I really wasn't ready to find my voice. Hmm. Well, a huge piece of this for you was your decision to leave the NFL. And I'm really Mm. excited to have you share this story with our listeners because I think it's incredibly powerful. And I know you're writing about it and talking about it in the book as well. So you you have this dream job in the NFL and you decide to walk away. So maybe talk to talk to us a little bit about what made you decide to make that choice and then kind of what came after. Yeah, so the NFL was kind of like I mean, football was my life, right? And it wasn't, and as I unpacked my story, it wasn't that football was my, what I loved in life. Football was my doorway to finding significance in life. It was what, it was more about what football represented. And I realized that it wasn't sustainable, that even in the, even in when playing football, there was so much chaos in my life and so much internal angst and so much, that void was so real, even after making it into the NFL, that emptiness that I was feeling, like the sense of belonging, like, where do I fit in this world? And very, very, very disconnected from myself and from everyone else. And so I realized just something had to change because the way that I coped with that was just very self-destructive and very toxic. Um really to the point where I like, oh my God, if something doesn't change and change soon, you know, I really will be just another statistic on the evening news. Um, And so I knew something had to change. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but it was the most rewarding because I think in walking away from anything, what you do is it's not really necessarily the walking away, but it's more so you create space. And I created so much space (laughs) <laughs> that I had no idea what to do with, <laughs> but <laughs> I created so much space in my heart uh, for what was next. And so, yeah, that was the, that was the beginning of a journey that I never thought I would be on. Okay. So talk about that a little bit more, mm-hmm. because I've also heard you say on Instagram, you've talked about how sometimes you make a choice in your life and you're certain it's the, or, you know, quote unquote, certain it's the right choice. And then all of a sudden you're met with all of this resistance or even like a deeper despair than you had before, or you're talking about like the darkness or the void that you kind of drop into when you make a decision like that. And especially sometimes they're small decisions, but other times Mm -hmm. like a decision like leaving the NFL or leaving a relationship or leaving a job or just making a major left turn in your life. Maybe it's leaving your faith or moving away from your family or something it can be followed by, even if you have a relative sense of certainty, when you make the choice, it's often, I think, followed Mm -hmm. by this guttural sense that you've made a terrible mistake. Yeah. So how do you find your way through that? And how do you convince your, you know, how do you know that it's the right decision? Go ahead. I think I understand what you're saying. I think I often say like, I think there are like choices that we make in life uh, that are necessary, that we need to make whether it's turning left or turning right, there's that choice. But for me personally, and I've, and I've said this time and time again, it, earlier on, it wasn't so much about making the right choice as much as it was about finding the courage to make a choice. Um, mm-hmm. Because I do believe that God has, 
you know, a million and one ways to get us to where we're going. But what God really needs to do is or what God needs us to do is not necessarily make the right choice because then life would be about all about our ability and our ability for perfection and making the right choices. And that's just scary. Um, But what God needs us to do is, or the universe or whatever it is for you out there, it's kind of like this, this courage needs to be cultivated on the inside of us just to make a decision and trust that that decision that we made is the right decision. And then owning that decision, really learning what it looks like to own that decision and really believe that, you know what, God has my best interest at heart in all that I'm doing. God wants to see me succeed more than I want to succeed. And so for me personally, walking away, there was so much chaos in my life at that time. If I decide, do I walk away? Do I hold on? Um, Because I think there's a fine line between experiencing resistance in life that you're supposed to push through versus, okay, this isn't just resistance. This This is time for me to walk away. And only you can make yeah. that decision. There's such a gray area right there. Are there like techniques you used or what, is there something you did that helped you know the difference between the two? Truthfully, I was so afraid to walk away from the NFL. And because I was so afraid to walk away from the NFL, it meant that I was supposed to walk away from the NFL because mm-hmm. the fear was what was keeping me in the NFL. So my life was actually being driven by fear. And when I knew that my life was being driven by fear, suddenly I realized that the right decision for me was actually to walk away because it was the very thing that I was afraid to do. And so I think oftentimes we can ask ourselves, like, what am I most afraid of right now? Or what is the one decision that I know I need to make that I'm not making? And then that's the very thing that you actually need to do. Otherwise, fear is just governing your life. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about what life looked like after leaving the NFL, because I know that also it wasn't just a suddenly everything was great and the problems were all fixed that you've been through, like all of us have, you know, plenty of iterations of different um, life passions and life paths and different problems along the way. So talk to me a little bit about um, what happened after. Yeah. And so I think anytime you do make a decision, um, you know, there's a decision that you didn't make, if that makes sense. Um, and so I did, I, I made the decision to walk away from the NFL. So therefore I, you know, basically decided not to stay in the NFL. And when I decided not to stay in the NFL, and I think what follow the pattern that follows anytime you make a big decision in your life is you have to grieve the life that is no longer going to be. And so for me, there was this season of really just grieving that, you know what, I'm no longer going to be this NFL football player. I'm no longer going to have that life. Um, and that was really hard for me because that was what I was told really, which is really kind of flawed is God's plan for my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there was so much grieving and I didn't know that I was going into a season of grieving. And if you have been through, and I know you, you have, and so many people can relate to this, but like grieving is, it it feels like chaos. It feels like frustration, confusion, a loss of uh, purpose, this loss of vision in life. And this really, you know, loss of a greater understanding of who I am and why I'm here. Um, And that's kind of the next season that I went into. But I think I went into it in a a very different way because I went from playing in the NFL, as you know, to finding a church on Twitter when I was drunk (laughs) on wine um, in Canada. This church was in Canada and literally a series of tweets uh, somehow when I read these series of tweets, I was like, oh my God, this is where I'm supposed to be. 
And I really, I went from playing in the NFL to, you know, play, basically sleeping on the basement floor of a church's boiler room and becoming a janitor of a church so that I could essentially get mentored or discipled or go to therapy. It was really, it was therapy um, every single day for as long as it took for me to get to the bottom of this feeling of disconnection and this feeling of not belonging and this feeling of just this, this immense sense of rejection that I was dealing with in my life and the very toxic patterns of life. And so, yeah, luckily for me, which I was so thankful for, is there were people in my life in that season that were able to hold such beautiful space for me and help me to understand not only what I was feeling, but why I was feeling it. So do you feel like you were able to get to the bottom of mm. all of that at the church? No. Or in, in what ways are, is that still unfolding and evolving for you? Yeah, so I... I, the church in that season in Canada was by far one of the more special seasons of my life. And, you know, being able to go in and finding a community of people, like my people for that season, that really what I said, they just held beautiful space and they accepted me for who I am. There's just this radical ecosystem of acceptance in that space. So what was important or why that was so important to me is because I was the first time in my life that I was able to show up, metaphorically speaking, completely naked. And allowing people to see me for who I really was. And there was that sense of vulnerability that in, uh, became the doorway, I would say, for me to really start um, shedding these layers of this false self that I had been able to perfect it over the years um, and really begin to heal some of the root trauma that was keeping me stuck and miserable in life. And so I, I, I experienced so much healing in my life in that season, Ali. It, it radically transformed my life and my life has never been the same since I experienced and I, and I tasted and I um, experienced this level of freedom. I think scripture says, you know, taste and see that the, you know, that God is good or whatever that scripture is. And I, I really did taste, I tasted what freedom tasted like and mm. my life was just like i want more of this that's all i want i want so much more of it and like i said these people um mentored me they they held space for me they 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 celebrated with me they cried with me they rejoiced with me they mourned with me they did it wow. all with me and they were right there with me every step along the way and i was so convinced that you know what it, i experienced so much freedom in that in that environment that i kind of told myself if this is the rest of my life, I'm okay with it. Hmm. Um, if this is, you know, this church of 150 people in Canada, if if this is the rest of my life, I'm okay with it. I will commit myself to every single person walking through that door that's looking for freedom. I will help them experience the same level of freedom that I experienced, if not greater, because it changed my life. And I think that was the process for me because Ali, for so much time in Canada, I was like, when can I leave? When can I leave? When can I leave? When can I leave? I got bigger things I want to do. Yeah. I got, you know, I want to go see the world. I got a message, so on and so forth. I got a story, but because I needed my story to be heard once again, it reinforced this reality that I wasn't actually ready to tell my story because the need is always driven from this place of lack or scarcity, you know, and it was more sure. about me versus using my story to help other people. And so it was, it was like, <laughs> until I was ready to surrender my need to be heard in life, and accept that that would be the rest of my life, then and only then was I actually, quote unquote, promoted to this next level of consciousness or promoted to this next season of my life. I know we have so many people listening who are interested in finding a way to share their own story and maybe in a public way. And it's a really important 
paradigm shift that you're touching on here and one that I've watched happen for in my own life and then also for so many of my clients that you sort of are called into the writing process so that because there's something that needs to be seen and heard, Mm. but usually it needs to be seen and heard by you. Yes. And then once you, once it's seen and heard by you, then it's almost like it frees you up to have a message that can, you can share beyond just you. But most people start right there. They start with something that they want or need to say that they haven't been able to say. You said something too, that I think is connected to this. You said the church had a radical ecosystem of acceptance. Mm, mm. And I feel like most people go their whole lives without ever finding a place like that. And it's one of the main reasons why I advocate for people using writing as a tool for healing and personal growth, because you can cultivate your own environment of radical acceptance uh, on the page. But but I'm actually curious to hear from you what you would say to someone who was wanting something or somewhere like that where they could get a taste of what it was like to be able to be fully themselves. Yeah. I would say that you just need to get drunk on wine and go on Twitter and find (laughs) your church. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Well, you know, you're, you're kind of onto something there. I mean, I I don't know. It's, it's interesting how many of the best decisions I've made in my life have been impulse decisions. But anyway. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And honestly, I was so, I was so hungry and desperate for change. It hurt, but I was given the great blessing of reaching the so-called quote unquote epitome of my life. The life that I thought was going to change everything for me and realizing that something is missing. So I get to the top of the theoretical mountain here and realize that, oh my God, I missed it. There's that quote, Mm -hmm. you know, you build a ladder your entire life and realize that it's leaning against the wrong building. Um, that's what happened to me. And because of that, I was so desperate and so hungry for change. And I think there was such a cry in my heart, uh, of like, I'll do whatever it takes. I really will do whatever it takes. And there was just this, there's that quote, you know, you build a ladder your entire life and realize that it's leaning against the wrong building. Um, that's what happened to me. And because of that, I was so desperate and so hungry for change. And I think there was such a cry in my heart Mm. uh, of like, I'll do whatever it takes. I really will do whatever it takes. And there was just this, um, and we have perfected our our ability. And our head talks us right out of it, Yes, (laughs) and our head does talk to us right out of it. And we've perfected our ability to listen to our head and to be rational about our decisions. And one thing I can tell you is when your heart's speaking to you, very rarely is it rational. Very rarely will it ever make sense. And I can almost guarantee you that when your heart is speaking to you, it's going to require you to step into a very, very great level of vulnerability in life. And I was just, because I was so hungry, I knew how vulnerable I felt, but I was that I don't care. What do I have to lose? Like, really, what do I have to lose in life? I've, you know, gotten to the top of my dreams and I missed something in my life. And so I was just with this willingness to lose it all to risk it all. And my heart was speaking and it did not make sense. And believe me, everybody in my life, they let me know that it did not make sense. But wow. I, what I, what I did is I followed my heart. And I think everybody has that opportunity to follow their heart in their own way. That's incredible. One of the things that I love to talk about uh, in general at Find Your Voice, but on this podcast is the power of words to change the world. 
And I'm curious for you, whose words have helped yeah. you walk this healing journey? And, oh, and maybe if you can remember some of the words, what exactly they were and how they supported you. Oh my gosh, I have a file. I can't, I can't find it right now, but I do have a file when I, this craziest thing. There's two, two, two things I will answer. But first is when I was in Kansas City, Alley, I had just signed with the Kansas the City Chiefs, and I had thought that this was the team that I was looking for in my life. Because you have to understand, my time up into the NFL when I got drafted by Detroit, spent some time there, and then spent some time with the Indianapolis Colts, and then I got to Kansas City. My time up until Kansas City was just chaos. I never felt like I fit in. I never felt like I belonged. It was just like a square peg trying to fit in a round hole every single day, driven by anxiety, panic attacks every day. It was just very tumultuous. But when I got to Kansas City, I was suddenly like, whoa, this is different. I'm supposed to be here. This is where I'm supposed to be. And it really did feel like something broke for me, like something in the spiritual world, like broke and like, okay, here it is. This is what I've been waiting for. But even then there was this, this chaos inside of me, like saying something's missing, something's missing, something's missing. And I was holding on and resisting it. Um, where this like voice was kind of pulling me towards walking away, but I was holding on and fighting because I was like trying to find my place in the NFL and I thought Kansas City was it. And I was explaining this basically to a guy, no, no jokes that I found on Twitter. <laughs> 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 who happened to live in Kansas City. And when I, I read something that he wrote, and it had to do with like, yeah, I think, uh, kind of like a, a boy becoming a man to write a passage. And I read that before I actually signed with Kansas City. And when I signed with Kansas City, I suddenly remember like, oh my gosh, that guy lives in Kansas City. His name was Dean. And I, oh, wow. emailed, I wrote him a message on Twitter and I said, Dean, I would love to meet you. I'm playing with the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I have so much going on in my life, and so we met right before it was a it was a, a few months into Kansas City, and actually at the end of that year, we actually ended up meeting. And I knew I was about to get cut because I just felt like I I just knew my time in the NFL was up. Put it that way. And I knew I was about to get cut. And I knew after getting cut, I was just going to walk away for the last time. I'm I'm done playing. And he wrote some, or he spoke to me at a Starbucks alley. And for some reason, five minutes into the conversation, I pushed record on my iPhone at the time. And wow. I recorded his message. And I have it, I think, in my page, on my pages, because I transcribed it. So okay. it's probably in my iCloud. I'll have to go back and look it up. But he started talking to me about this idea of, if you want to find your life, you first have to be willing to lose your life. Hmm. And talking about like, just this idea of what it looks like to lose your life. And I didn't understand a damn word that he was saying. It was over my head, but there was just this urge in me to record it. And I can tell wow. you that two years into Canada, I went and found that recording. Something told me to go find that recording and I transcribed it. And Dean didn't just speak into my life, but he prophesied over my life. Wow. And it, those words became basically the 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 shape and form of the life and how, the shape and form of the my life and what it would take on um, as I continued my inner healing journey and looking back everything he had said I remember just weeping because everything he had said happened in my life and oh, so those yeah. words radically transformed me and secondly in addition to that I remember as the janitor of the church I had the amazing opportunity to clean the church toilets and bathrooms. And I remember all my hands and knees, mad at God, mad at the world, so <laughs> confused early on in my journey at the church. 
and I turned on a podcast and the podcast was by Jonathan Martin and uh, who's become a dear friend of mine. But I remember listening to this podcast about him and he was basically preaching at his church, which at the time was in North Carolina and like, I think the fastest growing church in the United States. And he basically was on stage and he walked off on Easter Sunday or something and said like, I have to go find the God that I'm telling you all about because I don't actually know this God. Like, I don't know God wow. and he's something was missing in his life. And he went on this journey and he was talking about this willingness to walk away and to let go. And he was talking about resuscitation versus resurrection, how we spend all of our times trying to actually resuscitate an old life when God is asking and God is trying to give us the, the resurrection life, new life, abundant life. But we have to be willing to quit trying to resuscitate and actually die because you can't resurrect something that has not yet died. Wow. And I remember just listening to that and once again, just start weeping on the bathroom floor in the church and being like, this is what I'm on. This is the journey that I am on. Yep. And so if, for me, those words, uh, Allie, they've, they were like, oh my gosh, like they were able to put to words what I yet couldn't put to words. And then, then they became kind of the doorway that I would walk through and experience in my own life. I love that. It's just neat to hear how whether someone has a public platform or not, their words can have yeah. a transformative impact in the life of another person. It's motivating for us to keep putting our words on paper. Absolutely. Can I say something to that too? Yeah, please. Not to cut you off. You know what that's done for me as well? Is it's made oh. me, as I have healed and found on my own, the great thing about healing is suddenly you, like, you can meet people where they're at who are also on their healing journeys. You suddenly realize like, oh, okay, like this is the season of life that you're in. Not in a judgmental way, but in a, in a real way where you're like, oh, I can, like, it's like mentorship or coaching. Like I can sure. see where you're at in life, right? Sometimes, let me say it this way, there's such a responsibility with words. And I have set across from people and I have realized that I am not supposed to say these words because you're not ready to hear them yet. Ah, uh, wow. So I'm saying like you almost like words change things. Yes. Like you, these words, they really do change things and they activate something in the spiritual world, which is going to manifest in the natural world. Yep. And there is a responsibility with our words. Because sometimes the words that we want to say the most, it might not be the right season to say them. Yep. Um, oh, and there's a just word. a responsibility with that. That's really good. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Um, on that note, we should talk about your book. Oh, gosh. Your words. Caleb Campbell's <laughs> Words to Come. Uh, let's, I, I would love to hear what made you decide to write a book to start with. Yeah, I think my first inclination to write a book is I wanted I wanted to be more special in life. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I want a book. Um, but no, I think there was just this reality of like just knowing in my heart that I needed to tell this story. And I wanted to tell it, you know, starting almost a decade ago when I walked away from the NFL, but my story still owned me. Um, I didn't own my story, meaning the pain was still very real in my life. I had not yet mm -hmm. worked through it. So I knew it wasn't time to write because I really had nothing of um, nothing of substance to actually say, you know? Yeah. And I had something to say, but there was no real depth to it. And I just knew at some point that I was writing my story and as I was living out my story. And the more I had a chance to talk with people, the more I started to realize like, oh my gosh, like. You know, more people started to tell me that's just what I needed. That's just what I needed. That's just what I needed. Not from this place of arrogance, but I was like, oh, suddenly my healing is becoming the solutions to other people's lives. 
Yeah, and you're making a connection too. I think that's yes. like the real Big satisfying part of it. Is Big it's time. like it's not like they need me so badly, but no. I think what you're t- what you're hitting on is that feeling of being like my pain connects to yes, your pain. Absolutely. And even though you never played in the NFL, even though you never right. uh, went to West Point or served in the military or bobsledded with the USA Olympic team, <laughs> we can still connect because we've all experienced these this common denominator of pain, brokenness, grief, and so on and so forth. And that's the beautiful thing about storytelling. I don't have your story and you don't have my story, but you know, I remember reading Packing Light and suddenly realizing like, oh my God, like I've experienced this thing that she's talking about, you know, and yeah. I had not yet lived those, that story. I didn't live that story. That wasn't my story, but you're able to connect with me on a deeper level, on a universal level, which just makes it so beautiful. Books have a real special way of doing that too. I yeah. think podcasts also, you know, the spoken word you talked about, oh, hearing that podcast mm-hmm. from Jonathan Martin, but um, there's something about a book that, it, you just spend so much time with the person who wrote it, um, or as the author, you're spending so much time with the reader over the course of days or weeks sometimes right. in the privacy of the, of your bedroom or your office or wherever, you know, on your couch where you're reading, that there's like almost this relationship that, that develops between author and reader over the course of mm. um, the book. And I just think it's really, it's neat. It's special, the kind of impact that books can have in someone's I life. I could not agree more. I'd love to hear, I mean, I kind of know the inside info, yeah. the details on what writing the book has looked like for you and how this, how <laughs> normal this is, how it happens for everybody, but there's fits and starts. You start writing and then you yeah. get stuck for a while. So tell me about, like what the process has looked like, maybe some of the most frustrating parts. And then also I'd love to be really honest with listeners about just how truly long it takes to craft a book. I think, heck, when did we meet? We met July of, not last July, but July before. Yeah. 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 That's when we got together for book in a day. Yeah. So we outlined your book in in July of 2018, but um, I just started writing. (laughs) But how did you have the idea? You'd had yeah. the idea for longer than that even. Well, I had. I had, oh my gosh, I had the idea when I was still in Canada. So I've had this book in me, like started this book process probably uh, 2016, I would say. So, okay. yeah, so it's been, a, it's been a long process. And like, the thing is, is like, the hard part for me has been how do I, which angle, what story am I really telling here? Because there's so much happening. So like, which story am I telling? And truthfully, Allie, I didn't know which story I was telling until um, June of this past year. Uh, When I felt like this last healing season, this last season of my life, which has been just about a decade, has almost come to a close. Where I would honestly say, oh my gosh, I found everything that I've ever been looking for in my life. Wow. I finally, I finally found, I remember in Kansas city, I was dating this girl and we had broken up and she says, you know what, Caleb, I think you'll never find somebody and you'll, you'll be single for the rest of your life because like nobody can give you what you're looking for. I, I, I my only prayer for you is that you actually find what you're looking for. Hmm. And I remember thinking like, wow, I'm really broken. But I, <laughs> I, I remember thinking like this June, I found my story. I found my voice. I found everything that I've been looking for. Um, this entire journey. And so it just really came full circle for me. 
What did it for you? What was was there a specific moment or did you feel like it was yeah. just a buildup of things? It was a buildup of things, but it's funny because this is how God works, I feel like, because I've what I've realized in my life, what I found happened in LA. And it's this idea of like um for me, Allie, like my whole story, you know, it's like when is good enough finally good enough? Um it's like this it's this it's this pursuit of more, to do more, to achieve yeah. more to be more because that's how I learned at a very young age to find significance. That's how I learned more than anything to find love is whenever I perform, whenever I succeed, I'm therefore love. And so performance wasn't something that I did in the classroom or at school or on the football field or in the gym. Performance became my identity is who I am in life. And so my life became this quest of just performance and success and achievement. So from, you know, West Point to army officer, to bobsledding in the Olympics, to playing in the NFL and to making national news, life just became one big performance. And then suddenly I get to the biggest performance of my life and realize that I missed something, that no performance, I had that humble reality that no performance, no measure of success or achievement in my life is actually going to give me what I'm looking for in life. Wow. Um, and it's funny because now I can say what I was looking for is this place of radical acceptance of my life in this place of like radical acceptance of who I am in this moment. What I've been looking for is this present moment. And I've never actually been able to accept or to drop down and abide in this present moment because the present moment has never been enough. But what that really says is this present, I can never abide in the present moment, actually experience life here and now because I've never been enough. Hmm. And that's what shame does. Shame reduces our life into believing that we're not enough. And now we spend the rest of our lives looking outside of ourselves, trying to do more, achieve more, and trying to be more in hopes that one day it'll be enough. But it's never going to be enough until we actually deal with the root shame that's driving our life forward. And it wasn't until I actually moved to California, to LA, the land of hustle and achievement and success that I actually really enter into this deeper level of surrendering and letting go. And for the first time in my life on June 3rd, I actually experienced living in the present moment. Honestly, I honestly would like to say that it was the first time that I felt that if my life never changes from this moment forward, it's enough because it's the first time I ever believed that I'm enough. I found rest in life. And what I really found was I found this radical acceptance of my life in the here and now because I dealt with the shame that was driving my life forward for so long. Wow. And do you feel like that experience that you had is what has helped you feel ready to, uh, well, I mean, I wanted to say ready to start the writing process, but also there've been a lot of really positive shifts in your Mm -hmm. personal and professional life lately. So do you feel like that? that's that positive fruit is growing out of that place yes 100 percent. i feel like i just have like what i because my my frustration with writing this book has been like this isn't the story that i want to i would start writing and be like this isn't the story that i want to tell there's something missing there's something missing um and i really didn't know what i was writing because i have this amazing sports story and i could easily write it but i was still trying to connect that that common denominator that will connect me to Susie in Nebraska and, you know, Billy and text like that, you know, these everyday moments in life. Um, I just still wanted to, or people in life, I just wanted to connect with them. And I felt like that was still missing until I experienced this in life. And I honestly, it's crazy because we live in such a world where it's all built on hustle and do more and achieve more and be more. Um, And those are all good and great. But until we actually take the time and address why the more and why the incessant need for more 
is so important to begin with, we're actually just distancing ourselves from the real work that needs to be done in life. Yeah. And so we have to be able to stop and actually go back and say, why is the more so important to begin with? Sure. Um, and for me personally, like a lot of times when I talk about this now, people think that when I talk about like the radical acceptance of your life here and now, they think that that means that their life is never going to change. But it's actually the opposite. When you accept your life, when you're able to actually do the work and accept your life from the here and now, in the here and now, it means you're no longer afraid of your life never changing anymore. And because you're no longer f- afraid, you actually remove the fear over your life, which is actually keeping you stuck in life. And then therefore, you actually create more opportunity for your life. So it's a complete shift in your paradigm. So powerful, though. That's so powerful. It's one of the reasons I think that writing is such an incredible practice to um, transform your life is that mm. writing forces you to be present. So yes. either either people, I find are, they're on one side, one or the other side of the line where either they start writing and it invites them into that place of presence, or sometimes people have another kind of experience, whether it's meditation or some sort of spiritual experience that helps them to sort of ground and be present. And then the totally. writing, the words just open up for them and suddenly they seem like they can't even stop it. So yes. What has writing looked like for you lately? Um, deviating from the plan that I thought I wanted. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I feel like just right now I'm writing so much and things are just coming up where it's like just shifting the entire, not, maybe a little bit of the structure of the the narrative structure of the book a little bit. Yeah. Um, but just honestly, you've been such a help with your daily writing prompts and things like that, where I'll just sit down and I'm just trying to be consistent with writing every single day. Cause you know, I would sit down and try to write my book and realize that I can't write a coherent sentence for the life of me. And I get so frustrated and I would say writing is so hard, but then I'd realize that that was the first time to sit down and write in the last month Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it's kind of like, well, of course it's hard, Caleb. You haven't sit down and wrote anything for the last month. And so I just, for me, it's just been trying to get into a consistent, uh, a consistent productive pattern of sitting down and writing every day. It's so much like exercise. It's muscle memory, right? Mm -hmm. So the first day you go to the gym after not going in six months feels miserable, but once you do it every day, then you start to actually enjoy it and crave it. And your body knows exactly what to do when you get there. And um, so, yeah, it's good to be in that, in that habit. Wine helps too. Wine (laughs) does help. Definitely. (laughs) Yes. You know what, actually what wine does, and I would say alcohol helps it has a tipping point, right? Because yeah, yeah. it helps because it, it shuts off that part of your brain that you were talking about earlier that always wants to measure and analyze everything and is criticizing you and all that prefrontal um, kind of clutter and noise yep. that's going on. That's trying to like logic your way through the writing. It can have a tendency to quiet that part of your brain to a certain extent. And then when you drink too much, then you stop making any sense. But, but I know Absolutely. a lot of, a lot of writers who, make more progress than they drink a glass of whiskey or a glass of wine while they write. So I'm in that boat. Okay. So uh, I asked this question to close every single episode. I'm curious mm-hmm. if this was your last day on earth and oh you, you had to sort of quantify your legacy into one phrase or one sentence or one, you can, you can talk for three minutes if you want. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one small thing. What is the legacy in terms of the message that you would want to leave on this earth? Man, that's such a powerful question. I think the first thing that it's kind of simple and I would probably would 
change this if I actually have more time to think about it. Oh, but it's like he gave me the permission to start over. Mm. Like this idea of like, you know, he just gave me the permission. He gave me the permission. He gave me the permission. Like I can deviate from the life that I thought I was supposed to have or the life that I was told I was supposed to have or the life that I've, you know, you know, maybe Christian, whatever narrative, the, the religious narrative or whatever it is, like this life that I was supposed to have or thought I wanted, uh, he gave me permission just to start over and to walk away and knowing that it doesn't mean that I messed up or that I'm flawed or that I'm broken. It's just the ebb and flow of life kind of deal. I just, I want people to know that you're allowed to start over and still find everything that you're looking for. That's amazing. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Caleb, for sharing your wisdom with us today. You've got such a powerful story and I can't wait to see where you take the book. I know it's going to be really powerful and meaningful to a lot of people. We can't wait to see that out in the world. And just thank you for sharing your time with us today. We're so grateful. You're the best. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing. Happy writing.